For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. your Bibles to the book of Psalms 100, and it's just a short chapter here, verses 1 through 5 is what we're going to look at, but Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to begin reading out of the New King James in verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. That's our God. And he's worthy to be praised. That's why we take that time at the beginning of a worship service that we lift up our voices and we sing together corporately. I, I pray that you take the time during the week and just have a chorus that stays on your heart and you sing it before God or just an old hymn that you know and you just constantly bring it up and just think about how grateful you are for God doing something in your life. Now, I want you to see there's, there's basically five points with these five verses, and I'm going to touch on them. We're going to talk about, especially for you that are married here today, but it also applies to any given relationship, whether it's friendship, whether it's your family, whoever it is, but there are some special things that speak to us about what needs to be happening within a Christian home. The first point that we'll come and look at here, it's out of verse 1, that we come before God with praise and honor. When you think about a relationship that you have with God, you need to come before him worshiping him. Sometimes people have an idea that God is a magic genie that you sort of rub your Bible and things happen. But that's not the case. He is not a magic genie. He is the creator of all the earth. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So when it starts out here, it reminds us that there should be a joyful shout within our heart. So I encourage you when you start your day, just to start it by giving God glory. Good morning, Lord. I take time to honor you. Let it come out of your lips even before your feet hit the floor. Or maybe it'll be while you're in the shower. That's all right, too. Yeah, you know, God can still be there with you, and he's not embarrassed. Hallelujah. All right, just want to make sure you're still with me here on this part. Number two, serve with gladness. Every day have an attitude about your life that you want to be able to serve and find ways to do it. So much of our world is waiting for everybody to serve them. What's happened is the politicians have sort of built in this attitude amongst people that we get mad at someone who has succeeded or we don't think it's right that they have something if somebody doesn't have something. It's the most bizarre thing, you know, because as a nation, we've always believed that you do your best and reward will come to you. Part of it goes along with Scripture that when you turn and put your trust in God, he is the one who will bring blessings in your life. Don't wait for men or women to slap you on the back. They may get too busy and forget to do it. God is the one who will reward you and bless you. The third one, well, we are God's people. In other words here, we belong to each other, and we belong to God through a covenant relationship. You that are married know that you, when you wear your wedding ring, it is to be a sign and a reminder to you that you have a covenant relationship with your spouse. It is something that in our world today is under attack all the time. And so many people have had to go through and suffer through very painful divorces. Or they get into situations within their life that they're dating someone. And before you know it, they feel trapped. And they don't know what else they're supposed to do. God has a plan for you. But he also wants you to know that there is a true covenant relationship that's out there. And that covenant relationship is one that we can honor. We have a covenant with God. And the Lord's not going to ever cheat on you. The Lord is faithful to every one of his children, for he loves you. The fourth one is to be, we're to be thankful and to let your thankfulness be known. 
I mean, just think about how blessed you are. You woke up this morning. You have another opportunity of a day in front of you to make a difference. You've chosen to be in God's presence, worshiping with the rest of the body of Christ, just to give him honor on this day. Do you know so much of the world forgets all about that? I'll never forget about five years ago talking to the then manager of the Silvis Hy-Vee. And we were going over some things. We'd been in a meeting together for the city. And one of the things I asked him, I said, so what's your busiest shopping day? He said, Sunday is our busiest shopping day. I said, really? He said, it's so hard for us to give anybody a day off on Sunday because we have so many people coming in and shopping. And I got to tell you, as a, a boy growing up here in town, I remember when Eagles and Geefman's were the main supermarket chains in the Quad Cities, at least on the Illinois side. And when Jewel came to open up over on Kennedy Square in East Moline, there were people that protested in front of that place because they were going to be open on Sunday. Now think about that just for a minute. That was completely foreign. That was 40-some, 40 45 years ago, maybe longer. I'm 55, so someplace in there. And I remember people talking about it, how terrible that people would have to work on Sundays. But as our society has continued to evolve, today there's so much demand because the jobs have changed, the job forces where people were working in factories. Today we have people that have such demand on them because we're a 24-hour society. Some people are working second shift, some people are working third shift, and in order to make everything happen, the only day they may get off is on Sunday, and so that's when they do laundry, that's when they get their groceries, that's when they do everything else because they're running, running, running. Or they're working two jobs because they can't make ends meet right now and there's such huge demand on them. Something else kicks in with that than all the other places that want people's attention from sporting events on down. When I was on the Silva Centennial Committee, uh, it was interesting when we put things together back for uh, 2006 when that took place we were going through some of the old notes of city council meetings. And it used to be a law that there would be no baseball games at any of the city parks until the last church service was dismissed. Isn't that interesting? Now we've got tournaments that start in all the different ballparks and places around that start at 7.30 in the morning. And such demand on families. How do you balance it out with what your kids are involved with, with what you're involved with, with church, with other things that go on? There is constant pressure that goes on. I just want you to realize you've been given an opportunity. No matter how you're making choices, how you're doing it with your life, be thankful before God. Take time to honor him, to worship him, so that no matter what comes up, if you've got to work on Sunday, if you've got some family activity that's taken you out of town, rejoice in the presence of God. Be thankful before the Lord. Yeah, but pastor, I thought you'd be a lot harder on this. Shouldn't you be telling everybody, the bunch of heathens, you all need to get to church. Listen, I, I love people coming to church. I love being able to preach the word, but I want you to understand something here. Just church attendance in itself will not make us a better Christian. It's, it's a balance that's right there. Well, you mean you want to start, start taking time off? Listen, you already do anyway. I'm the only one, and there are others that's here all the time. I'm here all during the week. I should get extra credit. If that's what it was. But you see, sometimes we get it mixed up and just do things out of tradition. It can't be out of tradition. It's got to be worship within our hearts. Our staff, we've been really working on this, and I've, I've been with other ministers that have been talking with so many things demanding on families. We're looking at making something that we will publish and either put up on Facebook or something like this for families that have athletes that are training that we're going to put a devotion up, and that athlete can go ahead and say to the team, hey, before we start today, we're going to have devotions 10 minutes before, and they can lead that devotion there's going to be an opportunity to be able to share the good news of Jesus with others. And all we need is our students or our adults that are involved with these things to take and put the word out there. Hallelujah. Well, that doesn't sound good. You know what? We've got to change and be flexible. The only thing I ask is if you receive offerings, you give it to me. <laughs> Let's look at number five here. This is a long-term relationship. It's a covenant. Remember, your spouse isn't intentionally wanting to destroy you. 
Please remember that. Your friends are not wanting to intentionally destroy you. If you're having a relationship with them, God wants your friendship blessed. Years ago, Pastor Kara, she was leading the Girl Scouts back at that point. One of the things she told me that she had heard in a meeting, and I've never forgot it through all these years, is that nobody volunteers to do a bad job. And that's the truth, isn't it? Nobody ever volunteers to do a bad job. And so yet sometimes we all don't do everything correct and properly, but we also need more training all the time to help us to do our very best. Be careful so that you don't ever become so critical of everybody else, you can't see the blessing you've been given. So let's summarize these things, these five points, just a little bit differently. First of all, this applies whether you're dealing with a covenant relationship as husband and wife or friendship relationships with anybody else. First, find something good about your spouse. Find something good about your friends. Do you all realize, uh, here I wrote it down just a moment ago, we only have nine Sundays until it's Christmas Sunday. It's coming quick on that. And before that, you've even got Thanksgiving coming, and some of you have to eat food with your family. Hopefully it's a joyous moment. But some of you, you may have some aunts and uncles that are rather trying. Or maybe it's your brother or your sister, whoever. I, I want you to just see something. Think about this. If you go into that moment, that meal, thinking I've got to find something good about that person, maybe you have to really dig to find something good. Maybe you have to look at them and say, boy, your hair looks really good today. I love that shade of purple. Find something good instead of being so critical. Number two, for you that are married, serve your spouse. When you got married and put that ring on your finger, you gave up your individual rights. You said to them, everything I have is yours. She said to you, everything I have is yours. It is now ours together. Serve your spouse. When you serve like that, the blessing will come back and they will serve you. It's a love relationship. It's what you plant, you end up receiving back. Yeah, but pastor, I do all that and my spouse doesn't respond. Keep doing it unto the Lord and you watch what will happen. God will touch their heart. He'll touch their heart. The third point here, just tying into what we've mentioned earlier, is covenant. You have a covenant relationship with God. Let that covenant relationship be with your family. Let your children know that you're in covenant with them. You're their mom and dad that you will always stand with them. You'll always encourage them. You'll always help them. You have this covenant that is not going to be broken just by somebody getting mad. Our world today, people get in and out of relationships so quick. People just seem to jump in bed before they even know the person's name. What a mess. You're not a dog that's in heat. You are people. And there's a reason that God wanted you to have a relationship of hope and life together. And yet our world, boy, we seem to glorify everything under the sun. We seem to put everything on television and make it seem, hey, I like you, you like me, let's go try each other out. Listen, there's no covenant there. There's no covenant there. There's just something that's perverted and weird. Fourth, be thankful within your relationship. Tell that person that you're married to, tell those people that you have friendships with how much you appreciate them. Wouldn't it be something to do something like that? I was reading a book by a pastor over in Hawaii. I thought, wow, what a hard mission field. <laughs> he said when he has to correct someone within his staff, he tries to take and do it within a minute and a half frame. He tries to take and he starts off by telling them for 30 seconds the things that he's thankful for what they do. And then he takes 30 seconds and says, but we've got a problem right here. And then he says, now how can I help you be able to fix that so that we can get on with this thing? A minute and a half. Can you imagine what your boss would be like to you if every minute and a half he would take and invest in someone instead of just going in and saying, you're fired, you're out of here, you're a loser, you're doing a bad job. But finding a way to put Thanksgiving in there. Finding that way even with our kids. If we've got to correct our kids, wouldn't it be something if you could sit down with your children and say, now look, you're doing a really good job with this. But you know what? We paid for carpeting in your room. And the new clothing that you've thrown all over the floor is not the new carpeting. It's time to pick it up. You know, the hamper is right down the hallway. Oh, but pastor, you know, that's, that's just the way teenagers are. It may be. But you know, one day they're going to have somebody look at them and say, you are a pig. 
and it just might be the person that they want to get married to. Oh, no, they're going to marry another pig. Well, God, have mercy on your grandchildren. Man, just, you know, little sow bellies all running around everywhere. Remember this last point when it comes to family and relationships. You're in this thing for the long haul. You're in this thing for the long haul. You don't divorce family. They're with you. They're there. And I know some families have trouble. Some families argue and complain and they get bitter and they don't talk to each other. Do your best at building relationships and bridges that help bridge the gap. It's tough. And I know sometimes you're going to reach out to somebody and they're going to reject your bridge. They're not going to receive it back. But never let that stop you from building bridges. Never let that stop you. And, and even if you've been in a bad relationship and you've been divorced, but you're lonely, you know that God has another spouse for you someplace out there, then have a standard before the Lord and say, okay, God, this is what I'm believing for. Now, what do I need to change and become like? Isn't it funny? We want everybody else to change, but we're not sure if we're ready to change. It's a good thing to change. Listen, you know what? Ladies or men, if you're wanting to find a spouse, clean up a little bit. Put some deodorant on. Brush your teeth. Put some nice clothes on. You want to impress somebody of the opposite sex? You might want to comb your hair every once in a while. Don't just, well, they just need to like me the way I am. I've never seen anybody put something on Facebook saying, I am a holy battle axe and looking for love. I whine and complain. Personal message me. Can you imagine the responses they would get? Oh, my goodness, that's not what you want at all. Find a way to be in your life for the long haul. Let God change you. Lord, if there's something I need to change, change me. Show me how to do it. Could you say something like that before the Lord? Lord, if there's something I need to change, change me. My prayer is that for all of us, we're going to be flexible and open. If I insulted anybody with that, that really wasn't my purpose to do that. I, I like to sometimes use a little bit of humor to remind us of what we need to do in our lives. But the fact is, God is a loving God. And he wants you that are in a marriage relationship to be happy. If the romance has gone out, then we need to pray for the romance to come back in. Don't just settle and say nothing can ever happen here. God can do a good work. And I know it takes two people to be willing and open and flexible, but if you'll do something before God, he will honor you. Remember, you have a relationship with him, and God is the one who can turn anyone's heart. Even at times with Israel, when they were doing and chasing after him and believing, God could take an unbelieving king and change an unbelieving king's heart so that they would begin to respect the laws of God. So let, let's just pray for families, okay? And if you're going through a hard time within your family, our prayer's with you right now today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are our Father. You're the head of our family, and we put our faith and trust in you. I ask you to heal marriages and make them stronger, cause them to be full of life and love and excitement, Lord. I ask you to heal relationships between kids and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, moms and dads. I ask you to heal relationships. I ask you to give supernatural strength to those single parents that are raising kids or those that have come through a bad relationship and there's just a lot of scars left over. You're the only one who can heal, deliver, and set free. I ask you now to heal families in our community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, let's get back on over to our series here, okay? Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. In talking about God's provision, he touches our life, spirit, soul, and body. And in that, he uses his Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us and direct us. We've talked a great deal about that. 
I want to talk a little bit this morning, as we mentioned last week, about the prophecy that Joel gave over in chapter 2 and verse 28 and 29 that said, in the last days I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Now, folks have been thinking from the time that Jesus ascended up into heaven that they were in the last days. But we see from time to time in human history that certain events start to point to us of how far our society has gotten away from God and how much we need to get back to God. Sometimes churches get away from God. And folks, we've got to stay centered on the Word of God. Just because a steeple is out in front of a place doesn't mean the church stays on track. We have to stay true to the Word of God. That's where our balance, that's our foundation, is the Word. So over in the book of Acts, take a look in chapter 2, and we're going to read this. We touched on it at the end of last Sunday's service, but verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So 50 days after the crucifixion, the Feast of Pentecost was coming up on the Jewish calendar. But you got to remember, Jesus came back and spoke to his disciples and trained them and taught them for 40 more days. And then as he stood on the Mount of Olives, he said, I'm coming back for you, but wait in Jerusalem until you have been filled with power. And then he was ascended up into heaven, the word of God says, and as they stood there watching, two angels appeared to them and said, why are you looking up at him? He will come back, but now go and do what he told you to do. They headed back to Jerusalem. They went in that upper room and they prayed for 10 days. There was 120 of them together in that prayer meeting. Talk about a prayer meeting. 10 days. Every time that if they lay down and sleep, when they got back up, they would go ahead and begin to pray. There was a hunger for the things of God. They knew that their Savior had ascended right before their very eyes and was received up into heaven. They saw that. They knew that. And they also knew that the last thing he said to them was, go do this. Don't you know if Jesus gave you a word, wouldn't you do it? Amen. If he appeared to you, wouldn't you open yourself up to him and say, okay, Lord, whatever you say. So they do. They head back to the upper room. They get up there. They start to pray. And on the day of Pentecost, the day of the feast that the Jews were going to be celebrating, the power of God begins to fall. And they're in that prayer room together, waiting before the Lord, and they all receive the gifts of the Spirit in their life. And it begins to show up in them by them speaking out in tongues while they were all together. And the power of God's flowing in that place. Do you know, whenever the enemy wants to try to attack Christianity, he tries to attack where the power is. Let's think about a couple things here. Not only does he attack Jesus... Satan would love to make people think that Jesus is just a regular guy who is at the right place at the right time. Jesus had no political aspirations. He is the Son of God. So Jesus comes on the scene. What do they do? They try to make up stories. He didn't really die for the sins of mankind. Somebody stole his body out of the grave. He didn't rise again. And yet the scriptures tell us after his resurrection, he appeared for 40 days to his disciples. The power of God was going on. So what happens? Think about your own life. When you have been under an attack from evil that has come at you, hasn't it sort of tried to hit your core? Have you ever had your family attacked? Have you ever had your health attacked? You ever had your finances attacked? Satan does not play games. He tries to go and knock us out. Yes, he does. He tries to hit a home run every time. Sure wish the Cubs would have tried to hit a few more last night. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, those Mets out there. Pastor, what are you talking about them for? Because, you know, I'm a Cardinals fan. But I promised my grandson after our team really didn't want to win. I promised my grandson that since he was a Cubs fan that I would root for them. So I, I have to be honest. I didn't watch the game last night. I would just check in from time to time. You know, since I was having a hard time rooting for him. And then when I saw the final score, four to two, I thought, well, glad I didn't waste my night there. 
They're still in the tournament, and you Cubs fans, I know you're going to pull it through. It's going to be big, and I'm knowing my grandson's going to be walking around with pride, popping the buttons off of his shirt. How'd we get to that? Here we go. <laughs> Satan is serious. Never underestimate him. But the good news is he is only able to be one place at one time. We have a God who is omniscient and omnipotent. He is all-knowing, and he is all places at all times. So never, ever think that you are outnumbered because you have the King of Kings on your side. But he'll try to attack you. He'll try to cause infighting in your family. He'll cause you to get angry about the dumbest stuff you've ever imagined in your life. He'll try to get you offended about things. But I'm telling you that when the day of Pentecost came, it came for a reason. It unified everybody. Here were all these people, and now these gifts started to flow. And what was going to be the purpose of the gifts? Well, look down in verse 16 through 21, same chapter. Verses 16 through 21 but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great an awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved would you say that with me whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved so we hear the prophetic being fulfilled of what Joel had prophesied several hundred years before now jump over to verse 36 with me if you would verse 36 through 39 Therefore, let all the house of Israel... Here's Peter preaching. Peter, who had denied Jesus three times. Peter, who was under conviction of God after he had denied the Lord. God still said, I have a plan for you. He was in that upper room, and he was filled with the power of God. And his weakness in his flesh was trampled upon and put down by the power of the Spirit. Your flesh does not have to control you. Your physical or emotional or mental weaknesses do not have to become your testimony. God sees you as a mighty warrior. Hallelujah. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now remember, whatever, as many as God calls. And verse 21 says, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. People are still getting saved today. God is still pouring out his Holy Spirit today. They work together. Hallelujah. God has not stopped being God. And yet some churches have come along and been deceived by the devil. They don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit anymore. They don't believe these things happened. They don't believe that it has a reason, that there's no purpose for it. And they teach people this kind of stuff so that they miss out on the power of God. There's other folks that will teach and share to people, oh, no, no, God will never do this. God won't heal you. God won't do this. God won't do that. Instead of hearing all the God wants, I want you to know all that the Scriptures have to say about what God will do. And when you have been discouraged, think about what we read in the book of Psalms. Be thankful before the Lord and know that he is a covenant-keeping God. So when the enemy attacks, the word tells us that like a flood, the Spirit of God goes out. Hallelujah. Any of you see those pictures of Southern California on the news this week? There was pictures, a lady and two friends were in their car, and they were in a valley area. And when we were out in California in May... 
at convention, you know, here were these, uh, these highways that cut through these valleys and mountain areas, and here's all the dry, because it's not rained for so long out there, here's all this dry foliage and just dirt that's up on these mountains. And so the one lady, they had been sitting in traffic, and the traffic had not been moving, and it started raining. And they got two inches of rain within a one-hour period. And so as they're moving along through this valley, it's just creeping, creeping. All of a sudden, they notice the walls on the sides of the road. They have cement breakers that come up about four foot. And they saw water starting to pour over the edges. And before you know it, they pulled out their, one of the ladies pulled out her phone and started filming it. And you could see water starting to come. And then more water increasing because all that rain was flowing down those hills. And as they all sat in their cars and they looked at everybody else in traffic around them, all the cars began to float because the water came up over four foot quickly. I mean, this woman was holding her camera and in a two-minute period, that was four foot had been filled up with water and everybody's car was just like bumper boats floating around, banging into each other and moving with the current. What a scary thought that would be. Staying in your car because it's the safest place while you bang into others and them banging into you. Finally, as it kept going and the rain had began to stop, they had come to rest on a semi-truck that was, had a flatbed and it was up just high enough that their car rested on the flatbed while the semi was submerged in four foot of mud. They had to take end loaders to dig everybody out. But I thought of that. I thought about how quickly that came down. When the enemy comes in, remember, there's no punctuation in the Old Testament. Everything was written without commas or anything else like this. When the enemy comes in, I'd like to add this part, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord comes in. I want you to know God is ready. He is the first, first responder. He is the first one on the scene because he is the one we turn to and trust. And the power of God goes into operation. Just like on the day of Pentecost, they were praying, and immediately everyone was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we start to see what happens. Those who had been weak, those who had thought that the church was discouraged, that their leader had died, that what do they do? They spill out into the streets, and they start proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. We do not have a powerless gospel. We have a gospel filled with power and might and strength. Amen? Hallelujah. That spirit of the living God is there to move inside of us and to fill us with the glory and strength of the Lord. Uh, let's do this. I've given you some extra scriptures up there. For time-wise, let's jump ahead over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go ahead in your New Testament and go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, you know, I've told this story many times before that as a young boy, before we ever got into full gospel or Pentecostal charismatic type circles, I was raised in a denominational church that when I got saved, my pastor got saved. He had went in the ministry because he wanted to help people. He didn't know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so when we got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was just shortly after that time period where we had people sharing with us the good news of God's word. We had people that were talking to us that were Catholic and who were Lutheran and had different backgrounds together, but the Spirit of God was doing something in their churches, and they were experiencing it. And they were not in traditional Pentecost from Foursquare to Assembly of God to Open Bible to Church of God, this type of thing. Here were people that were in their churches hungering for God and the Holy Spirit was being poured out in their prayer groups. Hallelujah. You know what? When we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven and a lot of people that other folks thought would never get there. But if they know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they will be there for eternity. Amen. Turn and look at your neighbor and say, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> I can't help it. They're sitting there going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The good news is salvation is the free gift of God. You believe it, you receive it, hallelujah, it is yours. Now that you have it, grow in it. Take a look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1. The apostles starting to teach the early church. He's wanting to make sure that they've got a good foundation here. So he starts out and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. 
Sometimes we just have never been taught something. That's why we're ignorant. Yesterday, we had our first young lion and lioness club meeting with the nine and 10 year olds. And you know that I've been praying that as we do these monthly meetings, I'm believing that these kids are not only going to be the future adult leaders in the body of Christ, but I also believe they can be leaders as kids for the glory of God. So along with scripture and things like this, we had one of our first manners and etiquette moments. And I said to him, this is something you need to remember. I said, when you come up to a doorway... And I had my granddaughter was in there with me at that point. I said, Melody, come up here and stand beside me. I said, when you come into a situation where there's a door there, I said, boys, you need to remember this. It's your job to open the door. And it's your job to hold it while the girl goes through first. Now, I know that's politically incorrect. I know that some people get insulted by that. And I can't help it that any of them are wrong. But I'm right. And there's nothing wrong with having good manners. Well, but I'm a liberated woman. I'll hold the door for you. Now, you need to understand something. First of all, ladies, I like you being liberated. I do. But that doesn't mean I still shouldn't have good manners. There's certain rules. You know, I'm, be liberated, hallelujah, but I'm not having the baby. You are. And God said so, because I don't have a womb. How did you get your name, womb man? <laughs> if you're new and I've insulted you, it's going to get better. <laughs> There's certain things we can each do. And so what we did, we practiced. We practiced holding the door practice letting the girls go through first. Now, maybe you've already taught that to your kids, but yesterday, those are the kind of things that we're teaching to them because a boy needs to know if he'll respect a woman by holding the door for her, then he's not going to try to get in her pants when she's a teenager and get her pregnant out of wedlock. I know it's graphic. It's Sunday morning, but you need to know that. We need to teach respect and responsibility. And our kids need to know it. And if they're going to be a leader, they need to know these things right now. Something goes on here, and the apostle speaks, and he says, I don't want you ignorant. There's a lot of people that teach all kinds of crazy stuff about the gifts of the Spirit. Let's go back to the Word of God. There's some people that teach that you're not really saved until you've spoken in tongues. So what does that mean? The major Baptist denominations that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but they preach Jesus, risen from the dead, coming again, does that mean none of them will be in heaven? That's the craziest false doctrine I've ever heard in my life. Thank God for the Baptist. Oh, but pastor, there's just hundreds of types of Baptists that are out there. Amen. And you know what? There's lots of people that are just like you all over the world. Hallelujah. And none of you in this place are exactly the same today. Praise the Lord. So if we can like you, you can like the Baptist. Pastor, but that, you know, are you talking about those people that believe that you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be born again? Are they really Christians? Are they not? You know what? Those people who make those kind of statements sometimes dress differently than everybody else. They choose to do something a little bit differently because they want to honor God in their dress. Instead of us wiping them off the face of the map and saying they don't count anymore, be thankful that they're bold enough to not be ashamed of the gospel. Because you know what? When I gave my heart to Jesus, I was saved. And two years later, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was still saved. And now I got filled with the Spirit. Can it all happen at the same time? Glory to God. I love that when it happens. Praise the Lord. We've had some folks that we've had them out in the baptism tank. When they come up out of the water, they're speaking in tongues. So do we make a new doctrine of that? There's some people when they baptize them in water, they say, since you say the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you've got to dunk them three times. What's that to do? To see if you can't kill them, then they're worthy to live? <laughs> Hold them down. Father God, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray for Sister Sally. I thank you, Lord, that if she's a woman of faith, she'll survive this, even though her feet are thrashing in the water. Let her rise up. Stop it. Do you see how easy it is to come up with false doctrine? Let's go back to the word every time. Paul starts speaking here. The glory of God starts moving. Peter, I'm sorry, starts speaking, and the power of heaven's flowing. And verse 2 says, you know that you were Gentiles, in other words, unbelievers, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking of the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. There's, there's the real body of Christ right there. The body of Christ that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of the activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Verse 7. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one to the profit of all. The manifestations of the nine gifts of the Spirit are given to profit you. You cannot manipulate them. You cannot control them. You cannot allow the things of the Spirit to get mixed in with the things of the flesh. Let me show you something. Oh, boy. I've gone to a lot of different meetings from the time I was in Bible college and would go and check out revival meetings and places and things that went on. And I've seen people do things in the name of Jesus that had nothing to do with the Lord. I've seen preachers try to humiliate their families in front of their churches by acting like they had a word from God. Completely in the flesh. You know what? That has no place in the church. Um, here, we'll pick on Moon for a moment here. All right, so let's say Moon has got some sin that's going on in his life, and I'm scared to confront him about it, but I'll do it and hide behind the pulpit. Thus saith the Lord, those of you that are cheating on your income tax, God knows who you are. You that have white, curly, flowing hair <laughs> that look like a hippie that'd be driving a VW bus that'd be better suited in California in sandals on the beach. You that are doing such things, God's judgment comes against you and you are in danger of hellfire and damnation. Thus saith the Lord, everyone else say amen. <laughs> what a worthless fake prophecy. Because what did that do for any of you? Well, I don't want to hang out with Moon anymore. Thanks for warning me. Junk like that gets done. But just because there is the counterfeit does not mean there is not the real. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit are to edify you. They will bring correction in our lives, but the correction will not be to embarrass you. It will be to bless you. And you're not going to be individually corrected in front of the whole church. That's not going to do anybody any good. How horrible. I heard of one lady preacher that had a fight with her husband going to church one morning. And so when they got to church, she embarrassed him in front of everybody and called him out and said, you need to come to this altar and repent right now. And the people of the church were so stupid, or let's use the biblical term, ignorant. Yes, Lord, yes, yes. Let him repent before the woman of God. Yes. Stupid stuff. You know what that taught everybody? You can manipulate your spouse. If you're manipulating your spouse, you are messed up. You need to go before God. The gifts of the Spirit, check it out what it speaks and says, and we're going to see all this here. I love it. Let's look at verse 6 again. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I want the gifts to bless me. Amen? 
I want the gifts to be a blessing to me. And I want the gifts to be a blessing to our church. And by the way, Moon doesn't cheat on his taxes. Not that I know of. Sherry, on the other hand, I do know. You ever seen that jewelry she wears? She's got to be doing something illegal. No, she sells that stuff. Here, I just did a commercial for you. Remember to tithe off of it. God wants you blessed. And the gifts have been given to you to change your life. I shouldn't stay the same as I used to be if I've given my heart to Christ. And now that I've given my heart to Christ, what's he say? I'm giving you some tools. He's giving you a toolbox. He's giving you the drill and the hammer, the bit. He's giving you the screwdrivers, the wrench, and everything else you need. And it's all wrapped up right here. Take a look starting at verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Let's, let's look at this. In verse 8, it talks about the word of wisdom. What, what does that mean? It doesn't mean something that's just smart or something you've learned in books or anything else like this. But a word of wisdom has to deal with the future. And we'll show, we'll tie into all these gifts here. So that if somebody is speaking, okay, prophecy or a prophetic word, let's talk about this because it ties into it, because it's going to have to come through words that you're going to hear this. Just because a prophetic word comes through you does not mean that you are a prophet. There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the fivefold ministry gifts that Scripture talks about. But just because you are given a word, or maybe you're giving a prophetic word to the congregation, doesn't mean now you're a prophet. You could be. There could be something that God will do that you'll be used in those gifts that he has spoken about. But you need to know anyone can use the gifts. Anyone can have a prophetic word come out of them if they will open up to God. And many times God will use words like this for your own devotions. I, I pray that you use the gifts of the Spirit when you're at home. It's not just for the few minutes in the congregation when we worship publicly together, but they're there for you. So what happens? It's dealing with something in the future. It would be something like this, and God would speak to you, and it would come across, or even if it was saying something to a church of what God is wanting for us as a congregation in the future. Thus saith the Lord, in the days to come, you will see that the lives of many in your community will be changed. And from the lowest to the highest, there will be massive revival that will break out. Thus saith the Lord. Now, I just made that up, okay, to show you an example. Please know this, I will not lie or fake you out, ever. Probably 20 years ago, when we first got in this building, we still had a Sunday night service. The ministers, we talked to each other, we're friends. So if you ever come from another church and you want to talk bad about your former pastor, don't because he or she's my friend. And I tell them about you. No, no. On this particular Sunday night, this one man that all of us have been warned about, he decided it was his mission to correct all the churches in the Quad Cities. And so he would go into a church, and when things got a little bit quiet, he would act like he was speaking in tongues, and then he would start to bring correction to all of the churches. And so I, I had come up at the end of worship and praise. Like I said, it was a Sunday night, a lot of people that were here, and uh, he was sitting over here. And all of a sudden, he breaks out, seemingly speaking in tongues. Remember, there's a counterfeit that's out there also. And Satan will use the counterfeit. 
And so he breaks out acting like he's speaking in tongues. I knew what his missionary's purpose was, and I was not going to let him bring confusion here. So this is all I did. I said, listen, everybody, let's lift up our voices and begin to praise God. Just join with our brother here as we worship the Lord. Let's pray in the Spirit. So everybody began praying in tongues, just calling out on God. He got so mad because I wouldn't let him speak false prophecy. I remember him slamming his Bible shut, putting it under his arm, walking out the back door, and he said to one of the ushers at the time, I'll never be back here. After I saw him gooding out the door, I said, praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and all greet each other, and then we're going to get into the Word. I'm supposed to know those kind of things. That's why I'm a pastor. I am to guard and protect our sheep. Now, I could have looked and said, shut up. Ushers, get him out of here. Boy, that wouldn't have done too much good, would it? See him being feisty all the way. I condemn thee. You ever notice when false prophets speak, they speak King James? I condemn thee. You know, if you're new to this and you're hearing it, you're thinking, wow, what kind of a nut group have I got into? This goes on all the time in many places. That's why you pray over your church. That's why you want the gifts to be in operation right. There are some places that went ahead and said, you know what, this is too much. Let's just not allow any of that to be in our churches. It's too hard to regulate. I don't have the right to tell the Word of God not to operate. Word of wisdom about the future. Next one on there in verse 8 is a word of knowledge. What's a word of knowledge? It might be when you're being prayed for or that when you're praying by yourself at home, this word of knowledge comes out and it's like this. I, what you have been standing in faith for, it is yours now. A word of knowledge is always dealing with the now. Always the now. So when Jesus was praying for a lady come up and says, you know, this is going on with my family and he says, you've, you've got faith. He says, you've stood here Why I even said that it's not right for me to take care of your child because I'm here for the lost children of Israel. And she says, yes, but the little dogs under the table at least get to eat the crumbs. He says, be it unto you. And she went home and her daughter was healed. That was the now. Jesus operated in all the gifts of the Spirit, and you have all the gifts of the Spirit in you if you've asked him to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and power. Let's take a look. Uh, in verse 9, the gift of faith, the gift of faith. I thought we all had faith. We do. But the gift of faith is just like a special anointing that comes on you that is so powerful, it's nothing you could do on your own. Years ago, before we ever had the house out here, we'd had a church camp out and had a lot of tents and everything out back. And uh, a storm had came up on the second day. And we began to move everybody into the fellowship hall. And we stood outside here, a bunch of us did. And we could see literally right over us just black clouds that were moving counterclockwise and knew that there were storms and tornadoes that were out. And we all stood there and just held our hand up and said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this. And we just stood there praying and speaking like that to that storm. And we watched those clouds just fall apart and begin to blow away and nothing ever happened. That was the gift of faith that was in operation. Hallelujah. We had had an outdoor, with our outdoor stage, we had a concert going on with Jeff and Sherry Easter. And we had other groups that were in at that time that were all performing out back. We began to pray, all of us together. And the power of God so moved that it was raining everywhere else in Silvis and East Moline. It was raining over at the interchange over here on Route 5 on John Deere Road. But every place on our property, it was bone dry. Hallelujah. That's the power of God. I had a chance to meet who was then at that time, the pastor of the Geneseo uh, uh, Methodist Church. And he and I were in a meeting together, and he said, I just want to tell you. He said, I was at that meeting with Jeff and Sherry Easter when you had that concert out back of your church. And I'm thinking, I had no idea. There was hundreds of people who were here. Yard chairs all over out back. He said, I want you to know. He goes, I sure thought it was interesting. I could hear thunder in the distance, but it never rained on us. And then I shared the story with him and said, you know, we prayed. That's the gift of faith that goes into operation at that moment. In verse 9, it talks about the gifts of healings. 
Now, it's interesting. God uses a lot of different things to heal us. Remember Jesus talking at one point and hearing the disciples later on and sharing how they would pray for people? Sometimes they would just pray for person, a person one time and they immediately received it. Other times people received their healing as they were going. Remember the story of the lepers? They were prayed for and as they went, they were healed. It's important to know this. When you thank God that you're healed and touched by the Lord, you receive it by faith right now. You make it yours. It will show up. What if it takes a day or two? What if it shows up a week later? What if it shows up two years later? Healings are different than miracles. Miracles are instantaneous. Now, they're sort of tied together here in this verse 9 and 10, but healings are progressive. It's not wrong for you to take some medicine to get better. Medicine cannot heal you. It just holds the sickness back. God created your body so that it would be healed. You get a cut, you see a scab start to form, don't you? God meant for your body to be healed. He made it that way. And when sickness and disease is all over in this world as a result of sin that happened back in the Garden of Eden and Satan brought all that junk about, we know this. We don't deny that we might be sick or that we would be under attack, but we just deny its right to stay in our bodies. Hallelujah. That's part of the gifts that start to begin to flow. Then we go down, like I said, in verse 10, here's working of miracles. Oh, aren't you thankful for miracles? Have you ever been at that place you just thought, oh, God, let's just have miracles all day long? Thank the Lord for miracles. Why is it done differently for everybody? I, I don't know. I've seen wonderful men and women of God that have left this earth prematurely or those that have lived a very long life and they may have fought some terrible sickness in their body. And sometimes you look back and you say, I don't understand that. I don't know why. All I know is it doesn't have a right to attack them. But I also know that we all have a certain amount of time that we're going to be here on this earth. And this is just the passing through stage because heaven is what is eternal. I don't have an answer for everything, but I do know the word has principles for us to live by. And you're never going to receive healing if you don't believe for it. God will not force you to be well. He won't force you to be well. The gift of prophecy. This can be done by someone giving a prophetic word. They don't have to speak in tongues first. This is the spirit of God working through them. And sometimes it even happens with two or three people together. One person over here might get the opening part of it. The next person might be over here, and the next person might be up on the stage. How does it work together? It's just God speaking through us. When you come into church, please just make yourself available from the moment you hit the doors. Well, let alone, I, I like it when you're praying in the car to come to church. God, use me today. Use me today. So that when you come in, there can be a time where we're corporately singing you know, that's what the worship team does for us. They provide music so that we can sing and worship together. And there's a time that we corporately pray. Sometimes we corporately pray in English. Other times we corporately pray in the spirit. But then there's times that something will get a little bit louder than everybody else. And you'll hear a message in tongues. Now the message in tongues, remember, is not something that you've gone to school to learn. It's not because you took French or, English, uh, or uh, Spanish classes. It's not because you took German. It's not because you took this, Latin, this language or that language. It's something that God drops in your heart. Sometimes people have called it the language of heaven, that language of angels. Sometimes people just talk about it as the unknown tongue. But I want you to understand, if somebody's going to get a prophetic word, it's because all of a sudden the Spirit dropped on them and that gift that in them, that is inside them, they would do something like this. Thus saith the Lord, today I reveal myself to you that I'm well pleased with you, that I want you to draw close to me. This is sort of a summary of some things we've heard God say this past year to us as a church. Now again, you don't just decide, I think I'm going to edify the church. If you want to play God, God will hold his hand back. I don't ever want to play God. I want Jesus to be Lord of this church. So then we get into tongues and interpretation. There's times that someone would bring a message out in tongues. And they finish up 
And sometimes they have the interpretation and sometimes somebody else does. How does it work? How does it gel? You go a little bit further over in 1 Corinthians 14. It says that in a worship service that there should be order so that you're not just hanging on the gifts, but that the word doesn't lose its importance. And so he says, let there be messages in tongues by three. Let there be interpretations by three. If there's going to be a prophetic word, let it be done by three. He's just trying to say, let's have some order. You could get together and pray in tongues all day long. But what's the unsaved person going to know when they come in the door? If there's no interpretation, they're not going to get it. And yet we know in chapter 14 it says, when you speak in tongues, you are edified. Hallelujah. Folks, I need to be edified. I had a friend of mine, uh, when I was in Bible college, he was a part of a very strict uh, Protestant denomination, and he said to me, how dare you think that you deserve to be edified? And I looked at him, I said, what? He said, you think that by praying in tongues you're going to be edified. You just need to be a servant unto God. And I had to think about it, and then God dropped an idea in my heart. And I said to him, do you read your Bible? He said, yes. I said, do you get encouraged when you read your Bible? He said, yes. I said, do you know edify and encourage are the same words in the dictionary? He pulled his dictionary and looked at it, and he said, yeah. I said, how dare you read your Bible and get edified? <laughs> then it clicked. The gifts are not selfish. The gifts are about the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to dig into your Bibles. I want to encourage you to be in the presence of God. For time's sake wise, um, let's just jump over here for one moment to the scripture in Galatians chapter 6. We could talk all day about the gifts of the Spirit. Galatians 6 and take a look at verse 7 and 8. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. What you sow, you reap. To the flesh or to the Spirit. Let's never try to use the Spirit for the flesh. Let's do what we do unto God. Sometimes it'd be better for you to speak five words in English in faith than for you to pray for 10 minutes in tongues. Because the word says our mind is unfruitful when we're speaking in tongues unless we get the interpretation. There's a balance to everything. I, I hope you're hearing that. There's a balance to every bit of it. This morning... Let me encourage you to dig into God and let him bring balance to your life. If you've never known his power or his strength, you can. You can't deceive God. You can't pull one over on him because he knows your heart. You aren't going to impress anybody. Don't be impressed just because somebody shouts hallelujah louder than everybody else. That can be a cover-up at times. Well, pastor, then I'm never going to say amen in church. You know, it'd be good for some of you that never say amen to say amen. It'd be good for you to put your hallelujah behind something. Because when you go out the door and you get excited about things, you have no problem praising cows. <laughs> Holy cow! Whatever happened to that word in your heart about lifting up Jesus? Worship team, would you come on up, please? Don't let things just become a byword. When I was in high school, there was a group of us guys that would get together, and we would pray and call out to God, and we got into a rut, and we used the word glory. And there's nothing wrong with the word glory, but it became a byword for us. 
So if somebody was doing something, would say, well, glory, glory. Oh, yeah, yeah, did you see that so-and-so got picked up for drugs in the back of his car? Well, glory. Before you know it, we were just using glory because we didn't think. And some people don't think. They just depend on an experience. Let's have the experience with the word. And one day when one of the fellows said to all of us, why do we say glory all the time? And I had a friend, his name was Tom, and he said, well, I don't know. He said, but I know Scott started it. I said, I did. The word glory is glorious. The word praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, is wonderful when it comes from your heart. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Lord, we just love you so much. We don't want to become cold fish. We don't want to be so out of it that we don't sense the moving of your spirit. But we want to feel it. We want to know it. We want to experience it every single day. Teach us the balance of your gifts. Teach us how to be open to you. And let your gifts flow freely in our lives. Will you just join me by thanking the Lord for what he's done for you? And while you're doing that, if you're here and have never made a decision for Christ, I'd like to let you know that I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want Jesus to come into your life, forgive you your sins, give you a brand new start, you just say this prayer right where you are. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. I ask Jesus into my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my King. You died for me, and now I will live for you. If that's your prayer, you can lift your hands too before God and give him glory because you are forgiven. You are a part of a covenant family of believers. Hallelujah. If you need... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.